I'm so touched by it this morning. But good morning and welcome. Linda, we're there. So good to hear you this morning. Go so good to see your face again and to hear you share about what God is doing in you, but also at Abba's heart. So bless you for what you're, you're giving there. So beautiful. So as I was um, the last week and a half wrestling about what to share this morning, what, what I felt God was leading me to, to share with you this morning has been just, it's been confirmed over and over in the last week, um, and even here this morning. So I'm going to invite you, we're going to move through this pretty rapidly, but I want to invite you to turn to Galatians chapter 5 with me. Galatians is a book of the Bible that I don't know what you think of um, when you think of Galatians. Freedom is something that comes to mind. Um, we talk about maybe legalism, because Paul very, very clearly speaks out against the law and the need for the law for our salvation. And then he brings us up to chapter 5. I'm just going to go ahead and read. I want to read in chapter 5, I want to read verse 1, and then I'm going to read verses 13 to 15 yet as well. So I'm in Galatians 5, verse 1. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. For you were called to freedom. I'm down in verse 13 now. For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself, but if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. Freedom, freedom in Christ. Freedom is something that we all love, right? It's something we treasure, we value, it's something that's near and dear to our hearts. But what is it actually? What is freedom? There's different kinds of freedom. There's physical freedom that we enjoy. We enjoy that as maybe here in America, maybe more than we do in some other countries. But what I want us to be thinking about today is not, not a physical freedom that we enjoy, can enjoy, but because, and here's why, I believe some of the most physically free people in the world, and that's probably us, we can live like some of the most physically free people in the world, and yet I believe it's entirely possible that at the same time that we can be some of the most enslaved people in the world. So what do I mean by that? I don't know if your, your physical freedom can be taken away. Talk to someone who's been imprisoned. Their, the freedom that they've enjoyed is taken away. But I've talked to or heard numerous times from people who are doing prison ministry who say behind those prison bars they meet some of the most free people that they've ever met. So what is that freedom that they're enjoying? What's that freedom that's within that no person, no human can ever take away? You see, our physical freedom can be taken away. But the freedom that Christ brings is something that no man, no circumstances, nothing can ever take away from us. <clears throat> so as we talk about freedom, I think it's important to note, this is from, from a Bible dictionary, the freedom that Paul is talking about in verse 13 and also in verse 1. 
Listen to how the word freedom um, is explained here. The phraseology is that of a liber- the liberation from slavery, which among the Greeks was, a, uh, was effe- effected by a legal fiction, according to which the liberated slave was purchased by a god. This is in the, obviously in the Greek culture. The, the liberated slave was purchased by a god, and as the slave could not provide the money, the master paid it into the treasury in the presence of the slave, and a document was being drawn up containing the words, for freedom, and from that point on, no one could enslave him again, because he was now the property of that God. So the slave has nothing that he can do in and of himself to obtain his own freedom, but he has been purchased by that God that's in the, in the Greek mythical world. But there's a reason Paul writes it this way, because our freedom is not something that we can purchase. It's not something we can earn. And I think we get that, right? Maybe we fall on the other side of it where it means we can just do whatever we want, right? That's not the case either. But what, what I want to focus on this morning is two things about freedom. One is that Christ has set us free from something, but more importantly, I think, or just as importantly, what I want to focus on is what Christ has freed us to. And so that's where we'll spend the bulk of our time. So we don't have time, but sometime go back and read in Acts chapter 13 and 14 is where Paul establishes the churches in Galatia who this letter is written to. And this letter is written to them very shortly after, probably within the first year of those churches being established. And the gist of the first part of Galatians, maybe if you could boil it down, is so the opposition to the, to the churches... They had physically opposed Paul. They had actually stoned him and thought he was dead. He gets up and he goes right back into the city, which is really cool. Um, But they realized that you could not stop the spread of the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, by physical force. And so these Jews came into the church and they said, they began to teach the people or tell the people, so yeah, Jesus is fine, but you need Jesus plus X, Y, Z. You need Jesus plus you need to obey the law. And Paul calls that a false gospel. And any time anyone ever tells you that you need Jesus plus something else to be saved, that's a false gospel. Because that's bondage. That brings bondage. And so, so Paul's telling him that God is, Jesus has set you free from the curse of the law, from the law being over your life. And there's so much more there that we could talk about. But we've been set free from that. But what have we been set free from? Two, and my mind was simply taken, or I'm drawn to um, the one phrase in verse 13, where he, he said, "You were called to freedom." And he said, "But through love, serve one another." And so I want to I want to look at three different ways that Jesus has set us free to love. We are free so that we can love. Freedom in Christ unleashes the most powerful force in the universe, and that's love. There's nothing that can stop the love. There's nothing, who who is an enemy of love? Who can fight against love? It's the most powerful force in all the universe, and that is the, the, the channel through which the gospel is spread, I believe, 
And it becomes the theme of Paul's message in chapters 5 and 6 here of Galatians. But the freedom or the love that Paul is talking about is love that is a supernatural love. It's not a love that you can draw well up from something within yourself. (coughs) Excuse me. So simply three things about the freedom to love, being free to love. First of all, we must receive love. You and I cannot give something that we have not first received. First John, it tells us that we love Him because He first loved us. So I ask you this morning, do you believe that God loves you? How do you know God loves you? So we... because. You think about it, but we sing about it. We sing, Jesus loves me from little on up. One of the first songs we learn. We talk about it. But what does that look like in your life? And so this, some of this comes out of a conversation with a friend this week that was so powerful. And it reminded me of some things that have happened in my own life. So you believe that God loves you. Do you ever... Simply let God love you. Simply just be and let God love you. What does that look like? You see, when we open ourselves up to be loved, it means we're acknowledging that we need something from someone. And here is where our children are so often our best teachers. Have you ever seen, say, a two-year-old or three-year-old who's embarrassed to come up to you and stretch out their hands and say, Mom or Dad, hold me. Just hold me. That child just wants to be loved, right? And unashamedly will come and sit in your lap and just soak up your love for however long it takes. They'll just sit there in your lap and be loved. So can you let God love you like that? This... It was so beautiful this morning as we sang that last song. I just stood there and I just cried because Tim didn't know this, but that song has been going through my mind all week long as I was studying and as I was thinking about God's love. And he talks about the chasm that lay between us. And as I stood there, I simply felt like God was simply just loving me. And it's such a beautiful thing. And I remember years ago... And I simply share this with you as an example. But years ago, I remember being faced with a situation in my life that seemed absolutely impossible. I had no idea what to do. I was scared to death. And I felt totally lost. But there was no way around it. And as I knew, knowing I had to face it and not having a clue what to do, I simply sat down in the presence of God And in my mind's eye, I climbed up in his lap like a little boy. And I said, God loved me. And I sat there for I don't know how long, weeping as God just lavished his love on me. And I got up and I left. Still have no no idea what was going to happen or what to do. But it was okay. Because I knew I was loved. So we open ourselves up to receive love. And I don't know, us men for sure, we probably think we're too tough for that. 
But you know what? I'm convinced there's a peace in every one of us that never outgrows that desire and that need to receive love. It looks differently maybe for some of us how it's done. Maybe you find it out in the woods, maybe when you're running, maybe when you're walking or whatever. Find that time just to let God love you. Sometimes we feel like we're not worth it. We deal with shame, disappointment. Last week, Marcus talked about the pain in our lives that we let leave untreated, and we feel like we're not worth God's time to come to Him and let ourselves be loved. But I'm convinced that if we are going to be channels of God's love into the world, and we're going to be free to love, then we first need to open our hearts up to receive that love from our Father. Otherwise, we're drawing from our own well, and that well will run empty in no time. When we're receiving from our Heavenly Father, He's not only the source of love, He is love. And when He is pouring into our lives, there's something that then flows out of our lives. So we receive love, and then we give love. And when we receive that love from our Heavenly Father, out of us flows a love that is not given by obligation. It's not fake. There's nothing in it that feels like I've got to do this. And there's nothing in the love that comes out of us that demands that love be returned. We're called to love our enemies. Are our enemies going to love us in return? Probably not. But love is free. Love is not something that demands. We can desire love to be returned. Such a great example of this. Every time I think about love being given and never being reciprocated, one of the most powerful examples that I witnessed in my life was that of my mother-in-law, who for 20 years loved a husband who never returned that love. And how painful that was and yes, the desire there for that, to have that love returned was so real, but she never demanded it. But she just continued to love because there was something pouring into her life that allowed her to love. <clears throat> that kind of love is genuine, and that kind of love will change the world. Not a love that we try to drum up from our own selves by our own strength, but love that is, comes from the source of love itself, from, from God Himself, who is love. And so as you allow God to love you, you simply let Him love you, and out of that, you begin to give love to the people around you, whether they're deserving or not. And that love that flows out of you is real, it's genuine, the capacity for you and I to love and to be loved begins to grow. So this was so interesting, so interesting to me. You read the, from verses 16 on down through there in chapter, in chapter 5 of Galatians, Paul talks about the fruit of the Spirit. And he talks about what life in the Spirit is like. So let me just read for you... Um, the verbs or the, the language that Paul uses about life in the Spirit. He says, We walk in the Spirit, we're led by the Spirit, we bear the fruit of the Spirit, we live by the Spirit, 
and we keep in step by the Spirit. And I think that is simply living in communion with our Heavenly Father every day of our lives. And as we do that, He talks about the fruits of the Spirit. Those are the things that begin to pour out of our lives. But all of those things are an action and they speak of a lifestyle that we live. But the idea of your capacity to love and to receive love expanding. I don't know if you remember this. Um, when you were first married, in the first year of your life, you thought you could never, ever love your spouse any more than you do right now. But people who have been married 30, 40 years will tell you, Oh, by the time you get there, you're going to, 30 years in, you're going to love your wife way more than you do right now. And you're like, no way. It's impossible. I think it's true on both sides. Because when you're first married, you are so in love. And I love my wife with everything that I had, with the depth, everything I had when we were first married. 21 years in, that depth of that love has grown. It's expanded to the both ability to receive and to give that love. So I just, just recently had an uncle who passed away, um, and he was married. They were married for 61 years. It was such a, such a beautiful thing. I remember it was probably a year ago when I last talked to him, um, but the, the last conversation I had with him, and I'll never forget it, is he was telling me about how wonderful their marriage has been and how much he loves his wife and how much his wife has given to him. 61 years into it, his capacity, their capacity to love and to receive love just continues to grow. Even if that doesn't ring a bell with you, your children, you've got one child and you think you can love any kid any more than you do right now. Then number two, number three come along. Do you love them any less? No. Your capacity to love grows. So it's a beautiful thing as we walk with God, as, the Holy, or as, as our Heavenly Father from His endless source of love pours into us and it flows through us. And as that flows through us, the capacity just grows. It gets bigger and bigger and bigger as we go on in life. And so just to, to wrap it up, I don't think I need to tell any of us that our world is in desperate need of love right now. You don't have to look very far when you see, you see hatred, you see division, you see so much, so much nasty stuff being thrown around. Animosity towards each other, Christians being turned against each other. Our world is in desperate need of the people of God to have the love of God flowing through them into the world. There's nothing that will change the world. All the arguments in the world, they might convince a few people, but there's nothing that will change the world more now, just like it has throughout all history, than the people of God loving with God's kind of love. And that only begins when, he let, when we allow Him to first love us. So this week, I'm going to challenge you to take time. Wherever you, whatever it looks like for you is okay. But I'm going to challenge you to simply 
Let God love you. Let him pour out his love on you and watch and see what that does in your life. It's a beautiful thing. Short and sweet, thank you for your attention. I'm going to invite you to stand. I saw Wayne run out. Um, I want to pray for the food. Tim, would you check if they're, if they're ready right away for us? They'll be ready. All right, so I'm gonna, we're going to have prayer. Worship team is going to come up and close us off with a song then. Father, as we stand in your presence this morning, Lord, thank you for the lavish love that you poured out in our lives. Thank you that you are a boundless and endless well of supply. You are love itself. And I pray, God, that we would simply soak up the love of your Heavenly Father this week. And I pray that it would flow through us, God, and in, the, in the effect would change our world because of you. In Jesus' name, amen.